Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Tuesday, February the 20th. Coming up, the Medway Man making rubbish art. Why children are having to study in a school dining hall. Plus, we'll look ahead to Gillingham's next game in League Two. But first today, as expected, our council tax bills in Kent will be going up. Authority bosses have approved a near 5% hike as they attempt to balance the books for the next financial year. It means the payment for the average band D home will increase by more than £76 from April. They've managed to close a £50 million shortfall though, some of that coming from using funding that had been kept in reserve. Well, council leader Roger Goff spoke during yesterday's main council meeting. The huge challenge we face is to deliver savings that will secure the future and the viability of this council. Uh, we know what the underlying pressures that we face are. And these are pressures which councils face up and down the land. That was the basis, if you go back now, uh, some 15 months or more, uh, to the letter that the Leader of Hampshire and I wrote to a series of ministers. It wasn't saying uh, about what was going to happen imminently so much as the reality that councils faced what is ultimately an unsustainable uh, future. So to address that, we have to achieve major structural and lasting change. Some of that ultimately will be in the gift of government. Some of it does require national policy change. We can lobby for that, we can push for that, it is not within our gift. What is within our gift is to deliver all of what we can in terms of the savings savings programmes, the whole pattern of change that is set out in securing Kent's future. You can let us know what you think about the council tax hike by leaving a comment on the story today at Kent Online. You can also share your views on our socials. Kent Online News. Other top stories and a Canterbury woman's been given a restraining order for harassing her neighbours during a long-running noise dispute. Deborah Powell repeatedly rang their doorbell, smashed a pane of glass and emptied her wheelie bin into their driveway after complaining about them being too loud. The 47-year-old from Glen Iron Avenue has already served a 24-week prison sentence while on remand. A man has been taken to hospital after being attacked on a night out in Rochester. He was in the high street near Bowley Hill in the early hours of February the 3rd when he was punched and knocked unconscious. A strode property at the centre of violence, suspected drug use and antisocial behaviour has been boarded up. Police got a court order following complaints from people near Bly Way. No one's allowed in for three months. Now a Larkfield family say they've been battling for two years to get their housing company to fix their leaking home. Luke Hudson and his wife Sarah are raising three children in the Swallow Road property and have another little one on the way. They say the ceiling is full of holes and water has been spewing from radiators, the boiler and sometimes even the light fittings. They've also raised concerns about the spread of mould. Well, Luke and Sarah have been speaking to our reporter, Ben Austin. They just don't seem to care anymore and it's, you know, work's been going on so long we're just not being heard and it's got to the point where we now need to be heard you know this isn't fair um at all um you know we've got three children as you know and another one during three months and the house isn't safe and even people that have been out you know surveyors and uh numerous builders and stuff are, are telling us that the house is unsafe i mean even on sunday um Somebody was due to attend on 
Saturday night, wasn't they? And they didn't come till Sunday morning. And when he did, he just said to us that there needs to be asbestos testing in the upstairs bedrooms that are now affected. And he is, just by looking at it, he's 90% sure that upstairs is also full of asbestos. And obviously, we had a roof, like in our bedroom now, in the main bedroom, where the roof has come away from the walls, like the ceiling, and it's moving. Well, that obviously, that's going airborne. Same in my daughter's room, and where they fell through, you know, the loft into the airing cupboard. That's all open, and there's all open spores everywhere. And yet they won't do anything to help us. We've got the leak, the leak from the kitchen. We've got the leak as well. Under the bath, um, the kitchen roof, the kitchen ceiling. There was a hole came through and bits of the ceiling have gone into the extractor down the back of the oven. You don't know if every time we turn it on, it's going back in the air. You know, this came down and we was in a hotel for God knows how long and left out on the street because they didn't follow through and get us, you know, another hotel. Five hours sitting in a car, literally ringing it through every single day, just trying to be heard. And all I'm getting is, yeah, you know, um, we're trying to get a roofing team on it for you. So what happens now then? While the ceiling and that is all open, there's mould that's now going through into our daughter's room that has, um, you know, got the bad asthma. And I'd literally come back from the midwife when I went upstairs and heard everything falling through because the ceiling's coming down you know if i'd had this baby up there then i wouldn't have liked to tell you what would have happened it's not safe the house is not safe and they've told us that themselves what, what are you hoping out of all of this are you hoping for, are you hoping to move or are you just hoping for a big apology are you you know what <laughs> anything we just we need to move we do need to move like this isn't it isn't a safe and like i said to them you know, when I spoke to our housing lady, um, who now doesn't reply to me, I said, look, you know, to be fair, they need to move us, completely do up the place, and let, so that it's safe for another family to have it. But all the time we're here, it's costing them money because they're having to come back, you know, get different contractors in to do stuff. Why not get it all done at once and let another family have it when it's safe? Because at this moment, it's not. And we know that it's not safe. We've been told it. Now, a spokesperson for Moat Housing says over the last year, they've responded to a number of repairs and installed a new boiler and carpets. They also say they've carried out mould washes and will continue to work with the family to make sure the property is kept in a good, safe condition. Kent Online reports. A woman in her 70s has been treated in hospital after being hit by an e-scooter in Broadstairs. She was walking on Broadstairs Road near the junction with Fairfield Road when it happened earlier this month. The scooter was seized and an investigation is ongoing. Three people have been arrested after more than £2 million worth of jewellery was stolen from a parked car in Rutum. The suspects have links to a criminal gang believed to be targeting salespeople across the country. A man and woman are in custody while another the man's been released on bail. There's a row developing over plans to build homes and a new medical centre in a village near Folkestone. One project suggests just 32 homes off Main Road in Sellinge. The other involves more than 100 properties at Elm Tree Farm. Well, now the person behind the smaller scheme has hit out at a local GP who's supporting the bigger project. The partner at Sellinge Surgery has said in a press release that it's vital they can secure modern, energy-efficient, fit-for-purpose accommodation – 
to meet the growing needs of the community. A former co-op store in Kent is set to be converted into a gym, hair salon and barbers. The supermarket has moved out of the site in West Kingsdown into a bigger store. There had been concerns about noise from the development on Hever Road, but councillors have given it the go-ahead and restricted the gym's opening hours. And the Prime Minister insists the government is by the side of farmers after a protest involving slow-moving tractors in Dover at the weekend. Rishi Sunak says half are being supported by new post-Brexit schemes. But the president of the National Farmers Union, Minette Batters, says they're facing a lot of challenges. There's this ongoing retail price war. That's putting huge pressure on producers, effectively the price that they get paid for producing food. We have a lot of our members that are currently terrified to speak up for fear of being delisted by these businesses. Kent Online reports. We've got some education news for you next in the podcast and this is actually one of our most read stories on the website today. There are plans to expand a grammar school in Ashford which has become so overcrowded some pupils are having to study in the dining hall. Well, Lucy joins me now with more on this story. Firstly, Lucy, can you tell us a bit more about the school and how many pupils go there? Well, Norton Natchbull is a boys' grammar and based on Hythe Road in the town. Most recent figures from December show 1,252 pupils go there. That includes 239 who are in the mixed-gender sixth form. Teachers say all year groups except 12 and 13 are at or close to capacity. And new documents show the current facilities don't accommodate all of the children and as you say some are having to use the dining hall as study space. So what do they want to build and what will it include? Well they've drawn up plans for a new sixth form block which would also contain a drama classroom. If approved it would be built on a car park which the school says isn't used. Head teacher Ben Green has said the additional classes will enable them to accommodate growth and maintain the quality of delivery which was acknowledged in our recent Ofsted inspection. And when will they know if it's been given the go-ahead? Well, the proposals have gone to council bosses, although we don't know yet the exact date it'll be looked at. However, if it's all approved, it could be ready for the next academic year. Lucy, thank you ever so much. Elsewhere, a demonstration has been taking place at the University of Kent today over plans to cut courses. Nine areas of study and nearly 60 staff members could be affected as bosses look to save money. Students have been marching at the Canterbury campus. There are also speeches from staff and students. Well, Josh Boylan and and Ollie Sturdy are both studying anthropology and have been speaking to Oliver from our colleagues at KMTV. Ken 2030 has been quite an understated thing on the part of the administration. Um, a lot of our peers did know about it, but I don't think they were too aware. So it has been, it was a bit of a challenge at first getting people known, but once they knew about what was happening, everyone was very quick to mobilise and get ready. Mm. Yeah, I can mirror that and just to say that people from other schools have been less aware than we were. Um, our lecturers have done a better job at communicating these problems to us, whereas I know in other schools, like a lot of the students are less aware of what's the changes being made. As obviously, it isn't just anthropology; it's also things like modern languages, yeah. other subjects. Is, um, are you working with other subjects as well to kind of uh, make sure that their faculties aren't closed down, that they aren't at risk in the consultation? Yeah, that's something that's really important to us. We've been in contact with a lot of lecturers from other schools. Um, obviously, it's easier to network within our own school. But we're, at the moment, we're currently bre- like reaching out to these other schools to make sure that they're included in these protests and that they're aware of the drastic effects that these changes could have on their, on their lives, basically. So what have the lecturers been saying? So if you've been in contact with lecturers from here, what has their reaction been to this consultation? What have some of the things that you've heard from them? 
Well, you know, naturally, of, of course, with their uh, their jobs at risk, they're not too happy about it. Um, but they've managed it really well. They're still not. They're still putting our education first, and they've been, they have been a great help. Um, obviously, they're limited to what they can do, but um, yeah, support. I think the lecturers were more shocked than we were about the whole thing. Uh, I think they only found out maybe the week before. Um, so there's been lots and lots of effort from them to try and really work out what exactly it is that's going on. So what does this school mean to you on a personal level? Um, what does it mean to be an anthropology student to you? Well, anthropology to me is everything. It's what I came here to do. You know, of all the universities uh, that do anthropology, or I do biological anthropology, that do evolutionary sciences, Kent just spoke to me the most. It's got the most dedicated staff. It's got incredible international renown. But on a personal level, the staff are just great. Uh, everyone is just loves it. It's, you know, I, I'd never choose another university. Yeah, I can completely agree with that. Um, a lot of us actually looked at going to Russell Group Universities to study anthropology, yet so many students which have come here chose Kent over places like Durham because of the unique course that this place, you know, that this course provides. It's just fantastic to see such a great course and it's sad to see it being shut down. A petition to try and stop the cuts has already reached more than 16,000 signatures. Kent Online News. Two Kent MPs have hit back at claims they've been misleading voters over controversial plans to reopen an airport. Thanet Sir Roger Gale and Craig McKinley support plans for Manston to be a cargo hub but have been criticised by a campaigner who's trying to stop it. She's won the right to appeal against a decision not to allow a second judicial review. The politicians insist the airport will benefit the whole community. A report by the Kent Wildlife Trust says the results of the next election could be vital to tackling climate change before it's too late. Summer droughts and winter flooding are becoming more common as global temperatures rise. Lucy has been chatting to Ian Rickards, who's an area manager. It has been a gradual change over a period of time, so you're noticing, which sometimes makes it hard to spot differences, because you think, well, it's not much worse than last year, not much worse than the year before. But when you start looking back 10, 15 years, then you can really notice the differences and how that impacts having on our on our wild spaces. Kent is the sort of furthest southeast of the country. So in terms of when we get impacts from heat, and particularly from things like drought and the weather conditions we're getting as well, where we kind of get hit on those sort of those southeasterly winds and, and rain. So we so the species here getting really buffeted by those temperature changes so which will be forcing lots of species to move out of Kent moving up into sort of climes that they can cope with where it's cooler and, and damper so we will be seeing that sort of species movement but it will also mean potentially we'll be bringing new species in from the continent too so we're also the first place that picks up new species that, that wouldn't be able to live here before but as the weather improves and things well weather improves for them then they kind of come and fill those gaps too. What kind of new species are we are we seeing arrive in Kent? There are a number of invertebrate species. Well, some of those can be quite problematic though as well. For example, we're seeing so those midge uh, species which are coming across the continent, bringing with them things like blue tongue disease, uh, which are then affecting our cattle. That's something that's hit us this winter for the first time. Um, then also we have a, <clears throat> other insect species that are moving through as well. And you're seeing things like um, little egrets, which over the last sort of 10, 15 years have become a, a standard population here now. Um, and some other wetland species as well, um, avocets and, and spoonbills are turning up. Um, so those species now moving across and, and sort of becoming part of our um, whole landscape. 
I know one of the sections of the report focused on urbanisation and obviously we all know a lot more houses are being built, some of them on countryside. Is that something you're concerned about at the Kent Wildlife Trust? Yeah, it's it's there's so we've got such little space as it is, and obviously all this urban development then squeezes that wildlife into smaller and smaller spaces, creates more fragmentation. So where you might have was a, a linked up habitat is now split in half, and those species that are on this side cannot join the ones on that side, prevents sort of movement of animals around the county and things like that, which has a big impact on them, and also probably water as well. So where every time you build these things, again that's creating this impermeable membrane so where water would have once soaked into the ground raising water tables all over it now rushes off to the side rushes down ditches disappears off into the into the sea or or floods areas further downstream and it's how we can deal with those sorts of uh, issues which is going to be something we'd have to cope with over the next few years yeah especially with all the rain we've had this winter i know it's been a particularly wet few yeah. months hasn't it i mean is is that one of the major concerns with, with flooding going forward so it's 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 how we deal that flooding as well so the, the flooding isn't necessarily an issue as long as flooding's in the right place so we're really keen to use uh, natural processes um to try and control this sort of flooding so that so for example our, our, our beavers which uh we had a, 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 a controlled experiment looking at beavers 20 years ago beavers are now sort of widespread throughout kent where they build dams and lodges if they're in the right location that slows down that water flow it creates localized flooding on areas ideally on nature reserves and areas where it isn't going to have a big impact on urban areas and then that slowly leaks leaches through into sort of streams and rivers over a longer period of time and that sort of process is really important how we can then sort of help protects areas from flooding uh, and also keeps the ground wet as well because we've got the extremes we've got the massive flooding and in the summertime we've got the drought and so by controlling water flooding in the winter time that also helps with reducing drought pressure in the in the summertime. Meantime a Medway man who's creating art out of waste has told the podcast he hopes it stops people from dropping so much. Kieran Poole collects discarded bottle tops and ring pulls and turns them into mosaics. The 31 year old from Walderslade has also made portraits, including of the Mona Lisa, by using a snooker table as a canvas. He's got about 100 works which are sold online and has been speaking to Gabriel. I've always wanted to own a, uh, a pool slash snooker table, but I uh, didn't have enough space indoors, so hence it's in my garden. Um, and I started litter picking a few months before that. Um, and then someone said to me, uh, why don't you try to fill the table with litter? I think he was joking, um, and I did it. Uh, with lids because I thought that was really colourful, the, the different arrays of colours. Um, and they, I expected that to take six months, but it took two months. Um, and then uh, from there, I've decided to create the screen, Edward Mulch's screen. Um, and then I did the Mona Lisa. Um, and yeah, I've done loads of pieces. And, um, and essentially what it is, is the, can the table is the canvas. Uh, and then I take a photo up a ladder and then they're printed um, on canvases. Why did you choose to start doing this? I, I love, I'm very creative and I think um, litter is like a, a big frustration of mine so I think I really care about that and I, I love snooker so I think I think I just decided to combine the two um, and no one else is doing it. Plenty of people make art out of litter but um, I don't think anyone's looked at an outdoor pool table and gone I can make art on that out of litter. And why bottle um, tops and plastic lids. Why? Why those? I think because of the colours. As you can see there, those th that collection of lids there, they've all been uh, squished, run over by cars. Um, and I think there's the different arrays of colours. Even from that, you can see that. 
um, the brightness of the oranges and the yellows. Um, I, I don't think um, I, I could create that out of any other format. So I think the bright colours um, really are quite beautiful. Um, but also it's a clear, a clear message. You know, you see uh, 1,600 lids on a table, you think crumbs, are they all littered? And you kind of realise that there is a ridiculous issue with... with with litter at the moment. You can see pictures of Kieran's work at Kent Online. And there's going to be a new Magical Beasts sculpture trail in Maidstone. It'll link Brenchley Gardens with the Lock Meadow Leisure Complex and will feature a giant T-Rex and baby iguanodons. Each sculpture will feature a QR code giving more details on the town's history. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham are taking on League Two leaders Stockport County at Priestfield later. The Jules will be looking to bounce back from Saturday's defeat to Newport which has left them 11th in the table. Manager Stephen Clements says it should be a good game. And the crowd will be right behind us. The world to bring the same atmosphere that they brought for, for the Swindon game. And uh, yeah, let's go and take Stockport on. I, I honestly believe we, we, we can be anyone in the division on our day. Uh, we, we have no one to fear. It's a really difficult league too. Uh, this year with the, with the teams that are in it. There's some good budgets there and people have spent well, haven't they? And so no, it's always going to be difficult. But look, we're still in there. Kick-off tonight is at 7.45. You'll be able to follow the match action at Kent Online. Plus, we'll have details of the result in bulletins over on our sister radio station, KMFM, tomorrow morning, plus further reaction in tomorrow's podcast. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.com. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.